Hey, Biff. This farmer and his wife are sitting hey, on the John. porch one night, and they see five cows just standing there in the field, you know, milling around as Carl's will do. And a bull comes up and starts banging one of the cows. And then the next one, and then the next one, and the next one bangs all five cows. When the bull is done with the fifth cow, it goes back and starts banging the first cow again. And the farmer's wife said, too bad men don't have that kind of stamina. The farmer says, yes, we do. Let me do that with five women and you'll see how much stamina I have. Ugh. All right, all right. Why do you even do this? So, Because this is what the people want. So a guy goes into the doctor's office for an examination, and he strips down. And the doctor says, sir, you have a piece of lettuce sticking out of your butt. And the guy says, oh, doc, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Once again, I ask the question, why, why do you even do this? Konnichiwa, everybody. This is Jacques. Hi, this is Beth. <laughs> and welcome the carnival personnel. Biff, you seem really cheery and chipper. I just, you know, I actually am pretty cheery and chipper, all things considered. So yeah, you know, until I heard your stupid jokes. Actually, they, they well, they're my jokes as I told them on this show. But our good friend Joe made the mistake. So you you should either thank him or berate him for turning me on to Jackie the Joke Man. Uh, Twitter account. <laughs> is, oh, is he the guy that used to be on Stern? On Stern. I think it's maybe once a day or twice a day, three times a day, he videos himself telling a joke, but then he also has a printed joke. I'm going to say 50% of them, you do not have to worry about me ever repeating. <laughs> you know, uh, maybe Jacques in an FNH locker room 15, 20 years ago might have taken a stab at a couple of them, but about 50% of them, I wouldn't say. And I always look them up. It's like, okay, these aren't his proprietary jokes that he, you know, had the kernel of an idea and he, like, you know, grew it into part of his routine. They're all hack, old school jokes, but they're great and I love them. And that's why I am pretty excited because Biff and I just got done recording this week's sideshow. And I'm going to be honest, it was probably the most cerebral sideshow. You know, carnival personnel has ever. That, did I hurt you to say that word? Did I hurt you to say well, that well, word? Well, I was looking it on the piece of paper and sounding it out phonetically, <laughs> but we did. We actually had a, you know, an esteemed tenure professor, client scientist, who is essentially, for a lack of better terms, my brother. Um, and that Ross has been great friends with Biff for probably since I started playing hockey with you because Ross was the reason I moved out there and I lived with him. So that was great. And with the sideshow this coming Thursday is about the U.S. getting back and the Paris um, agreement. And we talked about, you know, Ross has a book all about the Paris Accords and actually how to get there that uh, I'll be posting. I also, I almost wanted to bump Ross, but I didn't because uh, Cloris Leachman passed away this week. And she's somebody that I've loved as a kid growing up. I knew her from Rhoda and Mary Tyler Moore. And then when I got to move to L.A., I ended up, you know, twice her coming into my orbit or me coming into her orbit. I worked on the show Touched by an Angel that ended up having a spinoff show called Promised Land that she 
had a recurring role on. And then when I left Touched by an Angel and I went back to working in, in Postland, I ended up being the boss of her daughter for two years at a wow. company in, San, in, in yeah. Santa Monica. But we will do a Cloris Leachman one. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm trying to be more proactive on the interwebs for no other reason than I'm trying to be more active uh, on the interwebs. So, you know, before we get into the show, follow Biff at Biff Plays Hockey at Twitter, is it? Yep. I got it right. Sure. So I want to get into uh, a story right off the top with a happy ending. Robert Kraft. Oh, you know what? Let me let me set this up a little bit. You know what? So one of our friends, uh, uh, Woody, his dad is a World War II veteran living in Glendale, Arizona. Being that he is of, of a certain age, he got an appointment for a vaccine uh, in Glendale, Arizona. And he gets there and they asked for uh, appointment confirmation which was in the form of a QR code. And so Woody goes, you know, dad's 95 years old. QR code and dad has never like crossed paths, basically. So there was a struggle for Woody to get, you know, or Woody's dad to get his uh, vaccine. While Jock likes to do his own horn, I just like to kind of give Jock props because Jock made a few calls and he, he got Woody's dad on the uh, is the ABC affiliate um, locally yeah, in, uh, the Phoenix, in the Phoenix ABC News. Phoenix ABC News. So essentially, Jock got the uh, an interview in on their news uh, segment where they talked about you know his struggles. And so maybe you could pick it up from here in terms of talk about the logistics because you know I'm I gotta say, freaking amazing job by Jock. I know Jock has no problem shooting his own horn, but I no, think for a change, is- I think it'd be nice to you know. <laughs> If it was in another city, I probably wouldn't have been able to be so helpful. But I have a friend that I met doing the anthems. Once again, you know, it's funny how it's never bad to make friends. It's never, you know, you can't have too many contacts and too many good people. And I become friends with this guy, Kip, through work. You know, he worked for the Suns for 21 years and we've done a bunch of sports stuff. I I thought his wife worked in news, but I wasn't sure he ran the Phoenix Suns for 21 years, the game up. So he dealt with reporters and, and you know, all the sports people. But that's one extra phone caller. He must know somebody. So I did. I reached out. I said, hey, this is going on. I've met Woody's dad. I've actually dined with the guy. He drops out of high school when he's 17 to join the Navy. I had it written down and I'm pissed off but I, I will post an article he saw real action in the pacific and i've heard this amazing story from his dad it was a once in a century you know when it, they used to be once in a century typhoons and it was only once in a century it was in 1944 it was a four-day typhoon the admiral of that fleet insisted that they push on push through the typhoon and it was really bad he's on a destroyer they're underneath they hear something rattling around well, he's 17 years old. He's 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five, maybe, 110 pounds, 15 pounds soaking wet. So you're saying tall. Right. <laughs> so so he towers over Biff. No, he's, uh, he's, he's a small guy, and he hears the rattling around, and they think, oh, fuck. One of the depth charges is rolling around on deck. We got to get, you know, somebody's got to go tie that thing down. They honestly, this is pre-OSHA. You know, pre-safety rails, they 
Tie- whoa, whoa, whoa. OSHA, OSHA does not exist in the military, as far as I know. <laughs> he ties a rope. They tie a rope around the guy, and the wind takes him off his feet, and he's fly. In his words, he was flying like a kite. He- they finally get him down. It was just a trash barrel rolling around. They pull him back in. I mean, the guy saw real action. If you were served in World War, if you serve in the military and you serve stateside and you got a desk job, truly. Thank you for your service. And anybody who served the greatest generation, Guy saw action in the Pacific. Sorry, Biff. I'm alive then, so I don't Yeah, I'm still blaming you. But what kind of piece of shit at the vaccination? I the Germans bombed Thor Harbor. You know, he's on a roll. But seriously, yeah, his paperwork is fucked up. Because you know what? He's 95 and his 67-year-old daughter, who's his caregiver, couldn't figure out the porthole either, but they think they have an appointment. They show up. And even if the paperwork is fucking wrong, even if he wasn't a world war two vet, here's a 95 year old guy. And you're going to say, no, go home. So anyways, all I did, I made one phone call. I actually text my friend Kip and said, Hey, and I just sent him Woody's post. He calls me right back and he's like, no, no, that's not okay. I'm going to have my wife call him. What's his phone number? That's all I did. So what ended up happening, they did the news story on him. And then the reporter calls him back an hour later and says, you know, because of the connection, because their media says, hey, on Thursday, we're getting you and your daughter vaccinated. Here's a QR code. And, and I'm really, I'm just, you know. It, yeah, you, you know what? Listen, listen, uh, you know, you could just shut up about that because you did great. I mean, I got to say you did great. And, you know, this is a problem that's nationwide. I mean, I was watching the Jen Psaki, um, uh, you know, press conference maybe from two days ago where she addressed this, these, you know, these local issues where, you know, the people who are in the biggest, you know, need of these uh, vaccines are having the biggest struggles. And, uh, and I've seen the same thing in L.A. where, you know, with the long lines and the need to access the you know, modern technology to deal with the appointments it's, and the need for, for transportation, it really is, you know, hardest for the people who need this, these vaccines the most to get the vaccine. So, you know, hopefully, you know, we're obviously we're early in this administration, we're early in this, but, we, you know, uh, we fix this, but great job jock i mean so you know that fun phone call did so much here but here's the pandora box it opens so the next day my sister sees it on twitter you know is telling you know tells my mom about it and my mom's like oh my god that's great so my stepfather's brother my stepfather's son who uh uh we're not copacetic <laughs> you know we're not what you would call friends um but my mom calls and says oh his father-in-law who's a 97-year-old Holocaust survivor, he can't get his shots. Can you help him? And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, wait, my stepfather's son works in the industry too. I'm like, he can take the same template. He must have somebody to call. But then I, I thought about it for a second. And honestly, I said to my mom, I said, hey, have his daughter or my dad's son call any." Holocaust survivor group administration, you know, the, the tolerance museum. And I'm not, I'm not being funny. Just call any one of those organizations, 97 year old Holocaust survivor, somebody in that group, that support group, that function, that apparatus will be able to get him a shot that day or the next day. Let's face it. These are 
you know, being in LA for 25 years, there's so many groups, there's so many museums. Like I said, the Tolerance Museum, I think that is in Torrance, you know, maybe. Uh, it's, yes, uh, it's in, in the, on the west side, right? But I'm not, yeah, whatever, side, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, and I'm not, you know, I'm not making the any kind of joke here, but it's one phone call to an organization that supports Holocaust survivors. And then that's all great. Then the next day, my dad, who's 81, calls and he's like, I can't figure out this damn porthole. I'm going to send you mom and my IDs. And can you go on? And I, I call my sister. I'm like, so that that's 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 my lot in life now. I'm going to be this. this I'm going to be that guy, you know. But I, I, again, it, it's true. I get frustrated with websites when I can't figure out how to make an appointment online. And, and you extrapolate that out 30 years it's like to to have your senior citizens trying to navigate these websites that are, gosh bless everybody trying to put them together, but these were all popping up overnight. This is all brand new. There was, as we found out, there was no pre-planning. There was no, you know, all the things that could have been done the last 10 months, the last six months, the last three months wasn't done. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, listen, the unfortunate thing is, so so the Internet is a great way to get a lot of information out to a lot of people. But for some people and, you know, there's and not, just, not, not just with the people who are techno- technologically challenged, but, there's, you know, there's these pockets of people who crucially need these services for which. You know, internet is not the best avenue, right? And we know that. And so, so I think hopefully part of part of the challenge here is is that you know not placing blame on anyone, but you know the rollout of the vaccine program maybe wasn't so ideal initially. Now somebody else is kind of having to play catch up in terms of trying to make it so that it works for for everyone. And it, you know, it's hard because it's already kind of gone out the door. And now you're you're trying to fix something that's already out there, right? So because it was put on the states to kind of deal with it. Now it's we have like you know 50 different ways in which, well, more than 50, obviously, but all these different ways in which this is being deployed. It's it's going to be tough. It, so, it, but it, it is as we're recording this, it's been nine days into the administration. It's amazing what's been done. We talked about it on the last recording of the sideshow. That there was a there was a meeting this week between FEMA and the military to help get ten thousand troops be part of this hundred vaccination mobile unit rollout that they're doing nationwide. Yeah. So my parents are going to get their shot a week from tomorrow, or you know, as the dropping of this podcast, like in five days from now. So that's that's really good because the. My parents didn't take it really seriously. Then they did take it seriously. Then they started to waver. But the past couple months, it's been hitting close to home. Uh, My brothers had to go into quarantine twice. So my parents have gone on a pretty strict lockdown. So I'm really happy for them that they're, I'm happy for everybody who's getting it, but, but it was, you know, that we're getting COVID. What kind of an animal, (laughs) what kind of a, Oh my God. You are, I, you know, I thought you were a horrible person before, but you're You're happy for people getting COVID. Oh my God. Happy. My parents are getting their shots. I'm happy. Everybody who is getting the shots are getting it. Like our senior citizen friend, John, who got his shot, bless his little heart. And man, I know that hurts for if he's listening. When I, I remember it was like 10 years ago, somebody ran into him when we got back to the bench. I'm like, man, he hit you so hard. Your AARP card fell out. (laughs) And he just looked at me and he's like, fuck you. 
which made me happy. If you support all kinds of arts, and I support artists and musicians and bands I like, I, 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 I really do. I don't like going out, but I like buying songs versus you know getting for free when I can and stuff. I do. I like to support the arts. And over the last oh come on months, do you see do you see this in the back of, of my phone? Look at that. Those are CDs. I buy the CDs. God bless you. So over the pandemic. A-list and B-list and C-list comedians struggling to find outlets and get their new material out there and just perform in front of an audience. It's tough. Well, over the last couple months, with the ramp up to the election, lots of old TV shows were getting back together to do cast readings that you can pay 10 bucks and it went to the guys running in Georgia or this or that. We signed up, and I think it was for Georgia. They did a reading of Rocky Horror, and they had so many of the people from Rocky Horror come back and do it, and I forget the character's name, that's Management Steel, she she did the Rocky Horror show in Boston. Dr. Frank Infurter? The (laughs) woman, who was the main woman, so, but Uh, Susan Sarandon. No, 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 I'm sorry, the woman who was the butler, and her were a couple, like they they Oh, right, 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 yeah, yeah. So that woman was so fucking fantastic in this reading rosario dawson you know did Mm -hmm. one of the did one of the characters and she was fucking awesome they didn't get meatloaf you know they didn't get meatloaf because he doesn't vote blue we'll just say but tim curry it was tough physically watching him was tough and i know that sounds awful but joe and i had joe and i saw michael j fox last year kind of mc a comedy show in boston with dennis leary Honestly, my hat's off to him that he's out there fighting every day, that he's trying to still raise money for this, that he's so well, active, yeah. but it was I tough. Mean, uh, it yeah, was tough. Yeah. But to the watch. fact that he's out there makes it – I mean, you know what? The, I think it's important that he's out there, right? Because, you know, essentially he's sending the message that, you know what? You know, we can do this. We have, you know, this thing that is, you know, you know creating challenges for us. But, I mean, he has Parkinson's. Is that, is that right? Yeah. But watching watching him was tough that day, and watching yeah. Tim Curry, it was really tough, and he was forgetting yeah. his lines. But the other cast members were jumping in. It was fine, and I'm glad that we spent the money. Yep. Um, it, it was fine. But I've had I've had we've had a run of bad luck. Um, a couple weeks ago, she was so excited. I love David Bowie. I, I I love everything about David Bowie, the person and the artist, and his piano player of like 40 years had a huge tribute like huge bands absolutely huge huge bands we paid we have the stream ready it's nine o'clock friday night and it doesn't go off five minutes oh. 10 minutes 15 minutes and then the guy oh. comes out is like look we're in la there's shutdowns there's lots of things we're pushing this for 24 hours so come back in 24 hours everybody it's like we moved a lot of things around to be able to do it fine well, then the show starts the next day, and the first band was Duran Duran. That's management's whole thing. And yep. they were fine, but it was cable access 91, maybe more 89 at best production. And then you, at, overall, it was a C minus. You know, I mean, if it wasn't David Bowie's songs, it, it would have been like a D. It's, it was like 10, 15 bucks, not the end of the world. Fine fine you know that's just the way it is so then last week i think i texted you and joe i wasn't really paying attention 
to what I was reading and forwarding, but I see, <laughs> oh, Lewis Black, it's going to happen in a couple hours. It's 10 bucks. It's yeah. for a good cause. It was being hosted by the Kurt Vonnegut Museum. Well, Kurt Vonnegut is my yeah. god. As an atheist, I do have a god, and that god is Kurt Vonnegut. So I'm like, 10 bucks? I'm going to do this. So I start streaming it. Essentially, it was a 12-year-old Jewish girl interviewing <laughs> Lewis Black about what it's like to be Jewish. And I'm not kidding. It was interesting, and it was funny in a very lighthearted way that Lewis Black would talk to a 12-year-old. But I'm like, okay, so, so this isn't what I thought. And then the other night, we were very excited. Both management and I were big fans of the show Dr. Katz. They were doing a live reading of Dr. Katz. It was, and I love everybody in it. You know, I, I, I love, you know, the guy who plays Sterling Archer and he does the voices in a dozen yep. things. Um, Jim Gaffigan, Maria Banford, um, Don Aiello. The first half hour was so unwatchable. It, it was absolutely, I was begging for, for management to get a, a chalkboard and just run her fingernails on it for a half hour to distract me from that. And then Gaffigan came on. It was fine. But I, I don't, I don't know how much going forward I'm going to be shelling out. Well, so stuff. I think you listen, I, I would, I'll say this. Uh, so you brought up Maria Bamford, whom I love. Um, there's a kind of like these uh, various connections. I am a huge fan of uh, definitely Maria Bamford. Um, you know, one of, one of her, uh, frequent opening act is uh, Jackie Cation, who I think is fantastic. Yep, great. Right, and so Jackie Cation has a podcast with Lori Keel Martin, who I think is also very good. So I, so they re- routinely do a lot of these shows. So I will jump on their their Zoom calls or their Zoom shows, uh, and they're really great about it. Like there's some of the shows where they said, you know what, give us five bucks, give us whatever you can, and we'll give you the Zoom link. So, you know, hopefully, you know, people like that, you know, you'll patronize because I think they are really, really funny people. So I think there's a lot of people who are just doing trying to do the straight up comedy show. So hopefully you'll catch some of those and I will try to catch some of those. I've been bad about it just because, you know what, I just don't bother with entertainment aside from sports, but I want to be better about it. You know, you know, I've done a lot of buying cds from musicians but i think i do want to help the comics so yeah i'm with you on that and um i'll tell you something that i have been enjoying lately in the comedy space and it's funny to say this i have been absolutely loving every time i log on to stream these two radio shows that i listen to in the morning on my phone it always starts off with an ad and for the last month they've been playing all the Luke Skywalker versus Jean-Luc Picard ads, you know, the, the Mark. Oh, those are, those, those are fantastic. I, I should not, I repeat, I should not look forward to commercials as much as I do. I haven't seen tomatoes, those, you know, but it was like, Ooh, sir. you know, it's like, I wasn't ready. And the other, I am my daddy. I mean, what? <laughs> I mean, the, the fantastic thing about both of those uh, those gentlemen are that they absolutely get it, right? I mean, they they just so get it, and I think that's what makes those you know those interactions so good because both of them understand 
who they are, what they are, and you know, so they they completely get the context, and so that's what makes it so fantastic. They get it. The other commercials that I shouldn't get as much enjoyment out of as I do is the progressive commercials about the therapist who are helping people not turn into their parents. Because this is so true. This is so. I didn't know because you see see the same two or three, but I my sister sent me a link. There's like 20 of them. Like like they've shot a whole, and I fell down the wormhole watching each and every one of those. And now every time either the boys or I are, you know, if, if we're if we're walking around the neighborhood or they very rarely yeah. will go into a store with me. You know, my my you know my management changes her hair color all the time. We see it. We all see we it. We see it. We see it. We all see it. And every time somebody was, you know, with color hair comes by, you know, one of the two boys will start saying, we all see it. It's dude. I shouldn't, I shouldn't get that much enjoyment. Out so, of commercials. The, so the, the one funny thing is that, you know, the, the, there's a guy that, you know, you don't, you don't work here. You know, you don't know him. You don't work here. Right. There's that one. The funny thing about it is that, uh, and you know, you see me on the zoom here, I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Um, I wear a Hawaiian shirt a lot going out. And so if I wear a Hawaiian shirt, especially there's about two shirts that particularly does this. If I go to a Trader Joe's with a Hawaiian shirt, <laughs> people will literally ask me where to find things. Now, I know you. You help them each and every person. I do. <laughs> because because if, if there's anyone who knows the layout to my local Trader Joe's, it's me. But I will tell them, hey, I don't work here, but I do happen to know that if you go to this aisle, like if you go to the mixed nut aisle, you'll actually find the, the chips and the dips. So that's – I know that, but this happens to me. Has a manager ever come over with a clipboard and said, hey, uh, what time are you going on a break? You no, know, it has not gotten to that point. But, you know, you know, maybe it's because I have not invested in, in, in a, you know, a name tag. So once I get that name tag, dude, you should, you should. The other thing that is giving me more joy than it should, because let's face it, Rome burning the fall of democracy shouldn't bring me any joy at all. But the fact that the Dominion voting machine company has filed serious lawsuits in the past couple of weeks, Dominion voting machine was invented in your second homeland in Toronto as a way to help blind people vote. That's where the company came from. But anyways, they, they're suing Rudy you know, Giuliani for $1.2 billion, which always makes me laugh. It's like, not a billion. Oh, and, and, and Sidney Powell, right? But, well, but, but him first and his, his defense, which it's the gift that keeps on giving. He's not a lawyer. When he was saying all those things, he was saying it as a reporter. And, and then the woman, the, the drunky McDrunkerson woman that he brought as his key witness. Right, right. They've also like, okay, she was a one-day hire, like like a local hire just for the day, but they're suing her. However, she's seizing the opportunity to put herself on the ballot in Wisconsin. It's like, you know what I mean? And you know what? She, you know, she's in line for you know Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, right, right, she, right. Good point. <laughs> you know, so, but it shouldn't. Give I mean, me you know, much, it should not give me that much, you know, joy. You know, following that. You know, drunky, drunk, uh, drunky, McDunk, drunk, should make me think about you know this. You didn't put this on the uh, on our thing, but 
you know, in Scotland, they named the snowplows so that you could uh, follow them. And one of them was the, you know, you know, plowy McSnowplow oh, yeah. or whatever the Stop. heck it was. You know where that, <laughs> you know where that came from, right? Well, yeah, Bodie McBoatface, Dude, right? How much would you have followed Bodie McBoatface? Like, like Absolutely. They had a public name the boat. Bodie yeah. McBoatface was, let's say if there was only 100 votes, it had 75 votes. Right. Then there was a version of Bodie McBoatface that had 20 votes. And then a distant third was naming after some World War II admiral. And they went with like the fourth or the fifth choice. Right, right. And, and I didn't know about this. Management told me about this. Joe and I had talked about that on previous podcast. I would have an app. Whatever app they had, I would routinely say, hey, I wonder what Bodie McBoatface is doing today. I would log in if they had fundraisers. Yeah. I'd send five bucks. I'd send 10 bucks a month if, if they had one of those things. And so I'm glad that somebody else picked up on that and went with. Well, the, yeah, that, I mean, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's it's happened a lot. And, and you know, it's helped allows people to track the snowplows that would essentially are cleaning the snow in their area. But yeah. I digress. Sorry, I just kind of brought that on you, but there we go. Thank you. So it's only been, it's been less than two weeks since the new administration yep. has come in. Biff, their world still sucks. There's still so much shit. You can barely see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And, and we're not sure that the, the light at the end of the tunnel isn't a train. But I am... I sleep easier at night. You know, I can't. Yeah, I can't speak for everybody else who may not be happy with the election outcome. But I will say two things. Number one is that I sleep a lot better, and my doom scrolling has just what? basically come to like a halt, which is great. I mean, two. These are two things uh, that just have helped my mental health to in a way that I can't really articulate but so yeah i, I mean, you know what not not only just the doom scrolling and falling down the rabbit hole but just the feeling the need to have to log on to have to watch things like what awful things do i need to know about now it's just not there and yeah. there's so much good news that i'm seeing look there's yeah. still some shitty stuff yeah um, i mean by no means is joe biden a perfect candidate right i mean not not the guy that i would have thought I, you know, I mean, obviously, we're not going to go into the rabbit hole of who we thought would, we would rather have. But in the end, it's not you know, the hero we need, but it's a hero we deserve. <laughs> well, whatever you can put it however way, you know, you know, it could have been worse. So let's it could have been you. Let's quickly talk. No, let's quickly talk about the Green New Deal. And by Green Oof. New Deal, I mean Marjorie Green. Bear, oh, my God. Let me just ask you this. What the fuck? I, th I guess number one is that a lot of this, the whole approach has not gone away. Obviously, you know, just just because, you know, we have a change in the, you know, in the executive office, it doesn't mean that a lot of the elements that kind of, you know, supported this has gone away. I, I think I will say a few, just maybe, you know, a few points about this. Number one is that I think it, it is shocking that the same state that turned the Senate blue also is the same state that essentially elected this this person into Congress, right? And then the second thing is, is that if you watch what this person has done just historically and the fact that she thinks that this is okay, I mean, the all of, I, I think the thing that really upsets me more than anything else is how she has stopped 
and you know harassed and David Hogg and the entire you know March of Our Lives you know you know group. So I, I think those are the two main things. And obviously, I, I'm definitely watching how things you know progress in terms of you know what do we do with this person who is and not just her but Lauren Boebert in you know right when in, I in Colorado. First- you, you mentioned the David Hogg thing. When I first saw that, I thought, oh, man, thank goodness somebody was there to catch her doing this. And oh, then you sure. find out, no, she funny. had somebody film her. That was intentional. Yeah. I think he's 17 at the time. He's It's two weeks after yeah. Parkland. He's a child. Honestly, I will say <sighs> this. On the podcast, I'll incriminate myself going down the road in the future. If anybody chased down my son like that at 17, they would literally be eating soup for the next year, let alone the kid survives the worst thing. Now, as crazy as she is, we do all know that, of course, the Jews have a laser in space that is controlled by Jerry Brown to clear the forest to make room for the high-speed rail. Like that... That we're all on the same page. Of course that's happening. But that's the thing. It's like she posts these things. The whole false flag that Vegas was really a false flag. I'm not getting down there. I just hope that the GOP stops being a fake Christian white terrorist organization, finds some kind of soul, and says... This is a bridge too far. Right Right. now, the only one, and I mean the only one who's saying the right things is Mitt Romney. Yeah, Mittens, right? You know, whether it be David Hogg or Emma Gonzalez, or, you know, uh, we talked about her in the uh, sideshow, Greta Thunberg. I, for the last, you know, 10 years, I have been working with a lot of young people, and I have heard a lot of garbage spewed by people in my you know in our generation about how you know these kids who were raised with participation trophies are soft and this and that you know you look at people like david hogg emma gonzalez greta thunberg you know malala yusufzai i mean are there people like who are from our generation who at that age of 17 to 19 had this much impact on the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, com- in comparison, I feel like our generation sucked 100%. in comparison to the, in comparison to the millennials and the Gen Z's. I mean, even AOC, right? The whole both sides do it. You show me footage of a Senator, a governor, a Congress man or woman, Berating a child on the other side, like like absolutely the way that Greta was attacked, attacked. But yep. about AOC, GameStop thing. Day yep. she posts about, hey, oh. we have to do something. Ted, <laughs> Ted you know, Cruz, human yep. piece of like festering shit. Cruz says like, yeah, fully agree, and she yeah. was having none of it. Yeah. Yeah, sit this one out, buddy, right? I mean, and she's right. Well, she says, you tried to get me killed a week ago. I will work with anybody on the other side except for you. Get off of my timeline. Like she said, get off of my line. She literally said, well, she said, sit sit, sit this one out, right? I mean, but I, I will say this. I think that all of these people who are patronizing, you know, are are young activists, I say, you know what? 
I just want them to all shut the hell up. And once again, we we go back to our sideshow. A lot of a lot of the stuff that's going on right now is crap that we fail to fix, right? Correct. We fail to fix, and we're going to we have belabored our Gen Zs and our millennials with a fix. There's a lot of these things where you know we just need to you know sit this one out and let these people do their things because it is their freaking future. It is their earth. It is their USA that we're interfering with fixing. And, so in some ways, and again, I've been, I've been so happy with the administration the last couple of weeks, but with, you know, with green, it, it's at a point where I've never seen, and it doesn't matter what the subject is. Nancy Pelosi the other day, flat out saying, you know, the calls coming from inside the house. You know, we have terrorists inside Senate. So I, I don't want to prognosticate it because, you know, you know, there are people who are obviously much more well-versed and studied on this than we are. But I think the one thing I will say is this, the part that I don't understand, and this is what, and I think we've had this discussion many times where I think that one of the biggest failures of the, the Democratic Party is that they have a failure in articulating why they are the ones that are help that are helping a lot of these people who are against the Democratic Party. I mean, you know, we talk about let's say the uh, the you know the disgruntled coal miners, right? These are the people who, in theory, should be the most helped by the Democratic Party because they are the ones that currently maybe don't have jobs that need the help, you know, that need the health care. A lot of these things that the Democratic Party, you know, properly what their platform, you know, should be helping them on. Yet they these are the people who are steadfast opposed to the you know Democratic Party essentially governing them. So I think this is, you know, one of the failures of the party. And I, you know, I and I certainly don't have the answer to it. Why? Well, how is it that the coal miners? Are supporting the Republican Party, and, and 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 you know, and I'm not trying to discount the you know what the Republican Party is or should be or whatever, because I think there is a constituent that they should be representing. But if there's any constituents that should be with the Democrats, I feel like it's the it's the coal miners, well, right? You, Among you, you, you are right. I mean, Michael Moore was saying that before the last election, sixteen, that you don't understand these people's train of thought. The other side, the terrorist organization known as the GOP, is brilliant in their messaging. On one hand, they will shit on AOC and demean her by saying. Why are we going to listen to her? She's, she was just a bartender and just shit on her for having a blue collar job, putting herself through college. On the other right. hand, the same piece of shit Ted Cruz just posted the other day, that they're the party of the working people. It's like, wait a minute, you're the party of the working people, but you shit on her for being a bartender. Their messaging has been better. And again, with the sideshow coming up there Thursday, of course, you know, since... Jimmy Carter in 76 puts the solar panels on the White House, has been saying we got to get off of fossil fuels. He never said we got to get off of fossil fuels tomorrow. He's like over the next decade, we should reduce our dependency on foreign oil by like 20 percent. And people just lost their shit over that. I think things are getting better. I think I'm very scared that the, the Democrats will not be able to get a conviction 
in the Senate, and I keep seeing the same talking point over and over, and I agree with it wholeheartedly. You know what you call January 6th if you don't get a conviction? A rehearsal. It's going to be interesting, and by interesting, I mean white knuckles, and I hope you know it turns out. But things are getting better, and I will say that Joe and I, again, have talked on many podcasts. One of the things that I wanted to be a priority other than, of course, the vaccinations. That That is a raging fire right in front of you that you have to put out. But one of the things that I wanted them to make a issue to take care of right away was making D.C. a state. And that's actually starting to make traction. And in fact, I've said this. That well, the I, House is introducing a resolution, right? Yeah. They're, they're, right. And the fact that January 6th, one of the darkest, bleakest days in the last 100 years in our history, 150 years in our history, the silver lining might be, okay, you just made the best argument why D.C. needs statehood. D.C. needs its own National Guard. D.C. needs to be able to have its own voice. So the people who are trying to hold back democracy might have actually helped D.C., statehood move forward i can only hope but like i said it's only been two weeks but i'm excited about that i like the fact that all the environmental things that have been signed i like the fact that hey from scratch from we came in day one there's no plan we have a plan we're implementing it it's moving forward it's it's ambitious but we think we're going to get here and here's how we're getting there. That's one of the great things that I've enjoyed over the last week. I'm not doing doom scrolling. I'm not living on MSNBC, but when I check in, Oh, wait a minute. That that's a press conference. Oh, wait a minute. They're, they're taking questions. (laughs) Yeah. I I, I gotta say, I, 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 I have turned into a Jen Psaki's fan. Obviously, you know, she is acting like a, a very traditional press secretary but i mean i in a weird way that's really refreshing well you know know what's also refreshing you you've always had dogs like you're a dog guy i'm a dog guy yeah yeah. the fact that back in the white house the fact that there's dogs back in the white house uh, like the progressive commercials (laughs) like the luke and jean-luc picard commercials it shouldn't make me this glowing giddy happy just knowing there's dogs in the White House. I will also say when President Biden was leaving the podium and the guy from Fox News shouted out, it's like, what What did you say to Putin? You know, we talked about <laughs> you. He sends his best. He, the, the fact that he has a sense of humor is refreshing. Right. I mean, you know, l- listen, I, I, I will I'll be the first one to admit I'm not a huge Biden fan, but there are a lot of things about Biden that I actually do like, you know, and I think the one thing that I, I do like about Biden is that I think there is a certain genuineness to the person that he is. Right. So I think that while I don't, there's a lot of things that I don't like about him, his history and whatever else I will, I will give him full credit for the fact that I think that he is in essence, the guy that he, you know, he is, and the guy that he is, is is really what kind of scared the Democrats, right? Because he'll just kind of just blurt out things, you know, he'll just kind of say things or, you know, he'll just be the person that he is. 
But I think to me that is really, you know, personable. I want to point out is that what you just said is one of the things that has hurt the Democrat Party over the last, you know, couple decades. The Republicans are better on messaging. They go with the KISS philosophy, keep it simple, stupid. They reach out to the lowest common denominator and they hit their mark. And when they have a candidate who's a horrible human being, they circle the wagons. They they literally circle the wagons where the Democrats exemplified by what you just said. Well, I agree with you 75% of the time, but let's look for the next candidate who's a little better. You know, and yeah. there's been things where it's like, oh, I agree with you 95% of the time, but you know, your your trade policy with the Belgians I'm not for, so let, yeah. let's keep looking. And instead of circling the wagons, they make circular firing squads. I Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think, yeah, that, that, is, that is a great point, right? We have some problems here in this country, but things are getting better. But you know what? There's not just crime in our country. Crime no, is a no. universal thing, Beth. Right, absolutely. And you know what? I like to talk about what's going on in my country. So, you know, I'm going to go ahead and obviously not our... Our viewers aren't going to be able to see this, but I'm going to share the screen. I can't, I can't, I can't. There's something wrong. It's all blurred. There's all these squiggly Yeah, lines. you know what? Jock, Jock calls this the squiggly line. But this, so this is literally, so I want to set this up. This particular news piece is from the Fuji News Network's national news broadcast. Okay. So this is national news in Japan. So I want to talk about some of the crimes that are happening in Japan. So uh, obviously, Jock doesn't read as as he called it squiggly lines. So you see this little kind of this blurted out uh, circle with a person in a dark outfit, almost I, like I, a you, yellow marsh, like the DJ. Yeah. Do, do you have, do you have any sense of what this is about? None. Okay, and then I'm gonna go ahead and skip to this. What does this this little storefront look like to you? What do you think that is? Like a little strip mall restaurant? It's a, it is a restaurant. So you, we got that. Okay, it is a restaurant. So this looks like maybe that's some kind of noodle dish. Well, it's, it is a curry dish. Let me let me tell you what really happened. At this particular eatery, a person comes in, sits down, and this right here, okay, is a reenactment. Now, I want you to just kind of sit on that. And this is a reenactment of a person who comes into this eatery and orders this particular dish. This is a cutlet curry. Mark Parker will be all over this food. So he orders this dish extra large. He eats this curry. Wait, and wait. you see. So just for clarification, extra yeah. large in Japan is a child's order in the United States, right? Well, maybe not a child's order, but a regular, right? A medium. Okay. Let's not let's not exaggerate. And you see this person here. See this? He is walking out the door. And what is he not doing? He is not paying. He's not right. Is he dying? He's not right. And then you see the store staff running out after him, hoping to find him. He's like, "What the hell happened? He didn't pay." And so I want to I want to point out a a couple things. Number one, Diamond Dash is a national news item in japan that's number one number two it is such a huge deal that 
this news network bothered to do a reenactment. So this this thing here and this thing here is a reenactment. So if the real criminal, why are they blurring out his face? Why are they protecting the identity of I don't culprit? know. I mean, I are, 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 are there Japanese law? When you said Homeland, I wasn't sure if we were going to Toronto or we were going. No, to no, 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 no. But no. when you when you is there laws in Japan that say innocent to proven guilty? So you got to. I, 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 I'm I'm I'm, sh- I'm sure it is some kind of a broadcast law where because he hasn't been. Ch- oh, so so that's the thing. He hasn't been charged for this crime. Is, is this okay. TMC in Japan? Japan has several major networks. This is a literally it is the big three, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS level of a network in Japan. And this made the national news in Japan. Help me go back a month or maybe two yeah. on our text thread. What was yeah. the news story that had the nation holding its collective breath to see how the story well, wound up about the taxi driver? But there's been several, uh, many, even aside from the taxi driver, I want to talk about some that we missed last week because we didn't have a podcast last week because last week we had an insane insane criminal activity in japan that that shocked the nation which is there was a gentleman i think he's like he's in his 70s if you go to just like in convenience stores in this country they have these you know self-serve beverage stations in japan so the way it works in Japan is is that you pay first, you know, for the cup. So you get the you go to the front, you pay for the cup, and then using that cup, you you serve yourself the drink. Well, this 70-year-old had the audacity to pay for a regular cup of coffee and he poured himself a latte. That son of a bitch. And so basically he paid a hundred yens to get coffee and got himself a 150 yen latte and he admitted later doing this multiple times and 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 the context in which he admitted to this is because he was arrested for this crime so he poured himself a 150 yen latte in his 100 yen cup and he was arrested for it so think about it now 100 yen is a little bit over under a buck 150 yen is about a buck 40 so essentially what he did was he poured a dollar forty drink into a adult, you know, like a ninety-five cent cup, and he was arrested for it, and he had to admit doing this multiple times in the past. Now there was an arrest for this. Now, what is the Japanese equivalent of Guantanamo? What black site <laughs> off the books? prison have they sent this bastard to to serve out his remaining days well you know we you know we still haven't gone through the trials yet but i imagine that you know you know maybe those are sent him to the u.s but he's been shunned by his whole family because he's just brought dishonor to the house of well not just the, the house but you know to the entire community really really yeah exactly exactly right you know i don't right. i don't know how you go on absolutely yeah well, absolutely Okay, so I will throw you a life. Oh, so 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 to, to go back to it, the the thief that did the dining dash, that meal was valued at thirteen hundred yen, which is about twelve bucks. Do they do they tip in Japan? Is tipping there is thing? no there is no tip in Japan. So so it's just twelve bucks. It's not like it 12 was twelve bucks in the in the three dollar tip. It's just the twelve. Yeah, bucks. but you know, through the generosity of the store owners, they're not pressing charges. They're just hoping that. Their store is the last store to be victimized. He, they're 
they're pleading to the criminal that you know what stop this madness and you know i forget what restaurant i was at with the boys a few years ago so they're 10 and 7 8 and 11 at the time and i'm like hey how fast do you guys think you can run it's like what i'm like how fast do you think we can run and my boys are the when it comes to anything like that i mean full disclosure Complete a holes, but <laughs> when it comes to something that is shocking like that, they are just the panic of wait, is Papa really making us do this? Like, like you know what I mean? It's it's it, it it was funny. So look, we we've we've touched on enough awful. So let's yep. let's go back to a simpler time, shall we? Sure. Let's go back to a, a time when things were just better. Let's go all the way back to, I want to go back for This Week in Joe, uh, This Week in self indulgence Theater, back to April 15th, 2019, when Joe blessed the listeners with his rendition of Bernie Sanders singing The Beastie Boys, Fight for Your Right. And this week, hands down, covered and very warm mitten hands down, Bernie Sanders won the internet he didn't win the internet but the bernie sanders memes have been the greatest source of joy in my heart in a long time so without further ado this is joe as bernie sanders singing the beastie boys fight for your right thank you jacques and joe i have one thing to say to the one percent of the one percent out there kick it You wake up late for school, man, you don't want to go. You ask your mom, please, but she still says no. You miss two classes and no homework. But your teacher preaches class like you're some kind of jerk. You got to fight. For your right to party. Your pop caught you smoking and he said, no way. That hypocrite smokes two packs a day. Man, living at home is such a drag. Now your mom threw away your best porno mag. Busted. You gotta fight for your right to affordable health care. Democratic Party! The end. You might hear music when you're listening. I'm not hearing music when I'm doing that voice. I will tell you, it was music to my ears. Was I not correct, Biff? Did that just not bring you to a happy place? Well, you know what? Uh, So we we all miss Joe on the podcast. 
he needs to kind of I, we need to bring him back but you know what at, at least we get we have archival recordings of him that we could revive at will so you know that's the good news and and Honestly, I thought it tied in nicely because this week I don't I don't even want to start talking about the Bernie memes because I could do a top five or top hundred Bernie memes because I can't I can't quantify to one or two this week. I didn't tire of the Bernie memes. I don't know if you did, but I did not tire. I, no, no, no. I think I think they were part of what made it great was that. So, number one, Bernie is say what you will about the guy. You know, he I think in many ways he gets it. Uh, and then. The, the fact that he played along makes it great. But my personal favorite was the one where there's the guy who essentially did the unfolding of the folding chair. Yes, that, that <laughs> guy, that guy, that right. guy is Jason Momoa. Right, right. And what I love now, granted, Bernie didn't have this idea. Bernie didn't come up no. with it. One of his interns, one of his staffers did. Yeah. But somebody said, you know what? People are going to make a lot of money off this meme. Let's make merchandise of this. It might as well be us, right? And 100% goes to Vermont Meals on Wheels, which I thought was fucking A. Good for you, man. Yeah, so, I mean, so I once again, I certainly have my misgivings with Bernie, but one thing I will say is that the dude gets it, right? Uh, Let's get into sport. I'm going to start it right off. I'm so happy. He's going to get in. He's going to get in. He's going to get in. But every time Kurt Schilling doesn't get in and you break out the tiny violins for him complaining about just because I'm a Nazi doesn't mean I can't be in the Hall of Fame. I will, uh, so Let me start off by saying that the Baseball Hall of Fame voting process is absolute garbage. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. And, and the reason why I say that is because the only people who vote for the Hall of Fame in baseball are baseball writers. The people who have spent zero time in a major league dugout during game time are the ones voting. Basically, these are the outside people judging the people in the industry. So I fundamentally have issues with this. Now, having said that, I actually don't really care about who gets in and who doesn't get in in the Baseball Hall of Fame because I really don't care about baseball. So I, it seems like Kurt Schilling is P. Rose with a different fault, right? I mean, I think both of those uh, players or those, both of those people have on-field legitimacy to be in the Hall of Fame, yet they have these off-field flaws that keep them out. Well, there's there's off-field flaws, and there's – here's my thing, and and I'm going to to be a hypocrite when it comes time for Julian Edelman, and I will argue with anybody at any bar why he's a Hall of Famer. That said, my – He's not a Hall of Famer. My – here's my point. If you have to have a discussion about it, you're not a Hall of Famer. I'm sorry. Like Pete Rose. Oh, so we have to have a discussion about Julian Edelman. I, I, I preface it by saying I'm going to be hypocrite. But no, my rule of thumb is there should be a Hall of Very Good, a Hall of Great. But the Hall of Fame, they've all been diminished. But if you have to have a conversation, Pete Rose, if Pete Rose was allowed to be voted in, he gets in on the first ballot. Piece of shit. Yes, has I mean his gambling addiction is an addiction. It's alcoholism, it's drug addiction. I have sympathy for that. I really do. 
Uh, we can have conversations whether he may be bad on his team or not. But don't vote him in as a manager, but as a fucking player. And nobody ever played harder or better. He should be in there. But we do, by the time this post, the Super Bowl would have been played. I want your Super Bowl predictions. You know, I, I do have to go with the field. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is an absolute animal. I mean, he is so good. And while Tampa did a great job of let's 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 stop with the analysis. So we have the Buccaneers versus the Chiefs. This is a really, really tough matchup, right? Because but what's a Buccaneer? That's a pirate. No, what's it's a Chief? too much to pay for corn. The Buccaneer. Too much yeah. to pay for corn. I'll show Thank you. About. Thank you. Thank you. And so we have a Buccaneer and a Chief. Are we talking about a single Chief in a single tribe? Oh, and and let's 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 start start off. Kansas City, please, 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 please go with the Washington football team, you know, thing and change your freaking name. But since we haven't changed the name. We're talking about a Native American chief versus a Buccaneer, and that is a tough call. So if we're talking about really the fundamental way in which we have to pick these games, the we Diane do have Chambers to go back. Rule. We do have to go to Diane Champers. And I think that we're talking about the Buccaneers, which I, I'm sorry they have gunpowder. Yeah. And the and the Chiefs, they probably didn't. I think that if we go to the jump, you know, the uh, dying chambers method, I, I I feel like I have to pick the Buccaneers. Uh, I'm gonna say, and I mean this, I want Tom Brady to win a Super Bowl. I love Tom Brady as a player. Off the field, different story. But but I do want to point out some fun facts and some fun stats that have come up this week. Steph Curry, the best three point shooter in the NBA, shoots at about thirty nine point nine percent, rounded up to forty. Steph Curry shoots. Three pointers at a forty percent clip, pretty fucking impressive. Yes, Biff. Sat- sure. Statistically speaking, Tom Brady has a better chance of getting to the Super Bowl than Steph Curry does of hitting a three point shot. Yeah. L- l- listen. Yes listen. or no? Yes or no, Mister. Yeah, Matthew? yeah, yeah. Whatever. You know what? You're you're doing your usual stupid, you know, apples and oranges shit. Let's let's, know- just, let's 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 let, let, listen. Let's let's just say this. Listen. All of the so-called metrics will say that Kansas City should win this game. But there is not a betting person in this U.S. who are scared shitless of the fact that Tom Brady, being the person and the quarterback that he is, is going to pull something out of the hat and win that game. I'm going to end our sports talk on saying I'm picking Tampa Bay and I'm picking with my heart, not my brain. We're going to get into games. I'm not going to say anything for the next couple minutes. GameStop, go. Oh my god! So, so I like to start start off by saying why why didn't you get Tom to come on this podcast? Because he is the guy. We, we, honestly, <laughs> but I, if we didn't have Ross already locked in, I would have loved yeah. to have All Star Tommy come and explain this. So I will try to describe this in a context that is a little bit different than the you know, the usual narrative. Uh, So GameStop is a company that is clearly struggling because, you know, a variety of reasons, but essentially the Wall Street knows that this is a, this is a a company that is going to 
have an issue and they're going to maybe, you know, just basically even go, you know, go out of business. Who knows what whatever the end result is. But one of the things that's ha- that's happening is, is that a lot of the people in Wall Street are essentially banking on the fact that GameStop is going to fail. So there is this concept of, of shorting and the shorting is for uh, I am a lay person trying to describe this at, to to lay people, but the idea is is that you can borrow s- the purchase of stocks with the idea that you're counting on the stocks to get hit the tank, and you can borrow stocks and then sell the stocks that you actually don't own at a price that is higher than you think it will eventually be at. So essentially, the idea is is that if I buy a bunch of stuff that let's say you think that something's going to sell for 20 bucks later, but right now uh, it's selling at 30 bucks. So I'm going to, I'm going to say that I'm going to count on my, my stuff eventually being sold at 20 bucks later. And I'm going to bunch uh, sell a hundred units of this things, this item at 30 per unit. And then later, I'm going to buy it when it drops down to 20, so that the difference between 30 and 20, which is 10, and so 10 times 100 is 1,000. So I'm going to make 1,000 bucks selling something that I'm going to eventually think that it's going to sell for only 20 bucks. So that's the principle behind it. So the idea is, is that a lot of hedge fund types, so we're talking about those Jim Cranemers, the, you know, the guy on MSNBC, right? Those guys have put in a lot of what we call short sales where they put bought kind of bought into this saying that hey i know that GameStop's gonna you know hit the tank and it's gonna just drop in price so i'm going to sell a bunch of these game stock prices at this inflated prices knowing that knowing quote that it's gonna drop in price well a bunch of these internet trolls we will call them Reddit, Reddit guys, Redditors, have kind of banded together and say, hey, let's buy a bunch of this stock and raise the price. And so what it essentially has, what it did was that these guys who were counting on selling these GameStops at, let's say, 20 bucks instead of, and you know, selling at 30, buying at 20, these guys at, at Reddit have started buying stocks and suddenly they started to raise the price of these, you know, uh, GameStop stocks. So eventually what's going to happen is is that the, these guys have to buy the stocks that they've already sold because they haven't, you know, they've borrowed it and they have to buy it at a higher, higher rate. So that's kind of the principle of it. All I know is that if you, Go to the Daily Show's Twitter feed. They did an amazing montage of all these talking head Wall Street analysts from CSNBC and Fox Business News just crying, just crying foul saying, well, sure, what they did was was completely legal, but they got lucky and they didn't know what they were doing. And one guy was like, these guys are unemployed and they're collecting money from the government and they're just playing with it and they're hurting real people. It's like, dude, the the, no, no, the no. sales of the tiny violins for these hedge fund guys, one of the one of the shows I was listening to 
um, the, yesterday was talking about one gigantic hedge fund has already said they're going to need a government bailout. If we give hedge fund people bails out, fuck that. ASD, oh, who is yeah. the guy who, right, who understands this shit more than us. But at, at the root of it is the, is the fact that stocks are not random, right? It, it is driven by behavior. It is driven by what people do versus the roulette, which is completely random because you can't control where the fucking ball goes. So, so let's separate that there. But I, I think, I think the thing that, um, you know, what's, uh, you know, we, you know what I like about chaos? It's fair. <laughs> Quoting the Joker from the Dark sure. Knight. Um, no, I, that's true. But it's, yeah. it's been fun. It's, look, it's been fun watching galactically wealthy <sighs> evil people lose their shit this week. Um, so I, I think, yeah. So I, I think the one thing that I like to say is, is that, you know, I hate to throw in the so-called fake news narrative, but I mean, when it comes down to it, this this is a group of people who individually may not be may not have a great resource base, right? Like like none. Of, Maybe none of these people are super rich, but they banded together to act as a unit right. to take down the big guys. David so, in one, right? So, in one way, so the funny, maybe it is ironic, maybe it is you know poetic justice, but these people used maybe an app that's called Robinhood to buy a bunch of stocks to raise its price. To screw the people who have a lot of money, which are the hedge fund managers, so it's the little guys who kind of won out in the end. So maybe this is an issue. This is a situation where the narrative, depending on how you kind of you know sell the story, is really the stuff that we all want to you know we all want to you know hear, right? It's these are the a collective of the little guys. I mean. Is, is this not a grassroots activity that essentially stuck it to big, big money? I'm, I'm happy about that. I'm also okay. happy about what I've been watching this week. And I will start. Godzilla vs. King Kong is coming out in, I want to <sighs> say, two months. And okay. as we've talked about it, like, you know, Biff, Biff grew up in the land of kaiju movies. Joe and I grew up in... And Joe's a little younger than me, but I think he was also glued to Channel 56 Creature Double Features uh, on Saturdays. We've seen them all, and I love them all. But to kind of get ready for this, because the trailer dropped this week, and I really go out of my way to not watch trailers as much as I can of a movie I really want to see. If it's a movie that I don't give a shit about, I don't give a shit about. But I really want to see this movie, and I want to be surprised. I want to enjoy it. So I decided, and I know I've seen it before, but it's been 30 years. Maybe it's been 35 years. So I went back, and I watched the American version of the 1962 Kong vs. Godzilla. Um, it was made, you know, it was made, you know, obviously in Japan. They had to go through this whole licensing agreement. There was always these court cases for 30 years of who owned Kong. But we know who owned Godzilla. There were some myths and some rumors, and I, I, I ended up perpetuating one of the rumors where <laughs> the American version had Kong winning and the Japanese version had Godzilla winning. And it turned out that the American version left it more ambiguous, 
and but I was reading the difference. Like the American version added a nuclear submarine because that was a big thing at the time. It's yeah, so, a listen. great, awful movie. Yeah, you know, so the, the one thing, so the Godzilla versus Kong, King Kong is kind of unique in that the original Godzilla movie, I think, is rooted in this. There is a, a weird protest uh, component to Godzilla movies in that it really is this statement against the entire, you know, atomic slash nuclear weaponry, right? I mean, essentially, the idea is that you develop nuclear weaponry and bad things happen, right? And so it kind of it speaks to the you know Japan as a victim country. And King Godzilla versus King Kong, in my view, is kind of like a money grab. Oh, one hundred percent. Honestly, we have talked a number of bit of times right. how how social norms. We we talked about like you know political correctness and how that's changed and stuff like that. But to see, I I hadn't heard this term before, but it made sense. It's brown face. That they used all Japanese extras, but they toned them up a little bit more to maybe sure. look. You know, it's 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 a funny, interesting movie. It's interesting how what they did in America to kind of chop it up and make it more of an American centric movie in '63. But either way, that's what I watched this week. Yeah. I enjoyed it very much. Um, I enjoyed it for getting in the DeLorean and going back in time when I was eight or nine and just living on Creature Double Feature. I'm looking forward to the new one coming out. Have you watched anything you like to plug or like to throw out there? I will start off by saying, you know, watch the NWHL, yeah, which I, is... I have that as a note. I don't mean to interrupt. You suggested after we did the Willie O'Ree yep. to follow black girls hockey. So I did. Yeah. And then, you know, it took me to, like, they liked a bunch of NWHL. Elvis. Yep. And I yep. and I so I like that and I'm following that on the Carnival Personnel page. Absolutely. A lot of fun. Dude, so much fun. So much character, yeah. so much personality. The games are all streamed live on yep. Twitch. On Twitch, yep. And 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 I think that so this kind of goes back to you know kind of garbage social media stuff that happened because of this because um so we have a little bit of an issue within the NWHL ranking where NWHL obviously being so NWHL for the uninitiated is the North, uh, uh, it, it is the, it is a women's professional hockey league and they have a uh, because of the COVID they have a kind of a reduced or a compacted schedule this year where everything happens in Lake Placid one of the things that's have been happening is is that NWHL is as a league is trying to distance itself from barstool sports and barstool matters because one of the teams, the uh, metropolitan riveters have somehow aligned itself with barstool in, in, in a way. So this is, it is a very, you know, it is a kind, kind of a convoluted situation, but ultimately barstool having its history of you know, somewhat misogynistic, somewhat Some racist. Someone? Listen, I, I, you know, I, I want to listen, listen, I, I listen, listen, I, I want to, I don't want to make this black and white because I personally will not consume any barstool material. 
And that's my personal decision. But I understand at the same time, Barstool, Barstool has done, they have an initiative to help a lot of local restaurants and stuff like that. So it, it is one of those deals where it is a gray, you know, gray thing. I choose not to consume Barstool. But I mean, I think there there, there are a lot of organizations that, that are in the gray area. Like, I have not met a friend that I have who is a Catholic that I haven't absolutely adored. But I absolutely have questions about Catholic leadership in terms of how they handle a lot of these, you know, issues with whether, you know, these sexual allegations, right? So, so there's a lot of... I, I'm just, I'm just going to say that I am not a consumer of Barstool material, but I, I understand that Barstool has done a lot of positive. I, I think the, the issue that I have is that Barstool is the big guy in this, in this equation. NWHL is a startup league. So the CEO of Barstool, who happens to be a woman, put out this social media post to essentially defend themselves you know, and putting out a lot of these, you know, screenshots of people who have who are detractors of Barstool. I I just wish that Barstool being the bigger entity, being the act like the other bigger entity and say, you know what? We get it. We we get why you don't want to be associated with us and just kind of let it go. Rather than to attack the NWHL, hey, we can't be racist. We we gave Ben Carson a job, you know. It's one of those things. Yeah. Let's move on to parenting tips. Do you got one this week? The thing that I love about my child is that he has a lot of things that I don't bother researching, and I don't want to get into the details of things that I don't uh, want to uh, don't want to bother researching. But I will say that he has given me a tip. For a particular item that has helped me with a lot of uh, of letting me relax in a way that I haven't been able to relax it before, that I wouldn't have done the research myself, but he has. And I this today I am between last night and today I've had the best night of sleep thanks to some tips that he has given me. I don't want to get into the details. Um, I'll just ask you. Um. Hey, man, are you holding? I don't want to give it the details. <laughs> so here's my parenting tip. Yeah. If you say to your children, hey, look, you spoiled bastards. You walked away from Christmas morning like a game show contestant who came within $100 of both showcase showdowns. So you win both the prize sets. I'm not buying you anything until March. And if you want something... Between the gift cards and the windfall from Grammy and all the other stuff, you have to do it yourself. And if you don't hold them to that, that's on you. So the other day when, and he's right here, he's looking at me, and, I, and now he's smirking, wanted to buy a new download Minecraft for the other computer, and it was $27. I'm like, I, I got up my old scripts. I found, oh, yeah, here's Jerry Maguire. I tore out the page and I stuffed it in his face and said, show me the money. And he uh, actually went down upstairs, you know, borrowed 27 bucks from his brother and then brought it down. And then I ordered it from him. So if you tell them, look, you already got white privilege going for you. 
you know, you got all of this going for you. You know, you are the youngest of your grandmother's like seven. So, you know, there's always a little extra something for the effort for this one. I'm not going to buy you anything except the food you need to survive the next two months. Um, so if you make that kind of deal with them, yeah, you got you got to see it through. And that's my parenting tip. So I'm now throwing you ending the show like I always did with Joe. But before that, the song that we're going out with, I'm not sure which one it's going to be, but I recently unearthed a bunch of cassettes from my band. Uh, there was two guys in the band with us early in like 91, 92, who one went on to do a really serious band. And the, the two of them went on together to do a, I don't know what drugs they were doing at the time. I think it's a shorter list of the drugs that they weren't doing at the time. And they would put out a tape every two or three weeks that was songs, that was noises, that was taped conversation with the insane people in our town. And so anyways, this last song that we're going out on is something from my brother Sebulon. 1991-92 it's probably that you're going to get stuck in your head until the next podcast and with that I say Biff it's all up to you all to me don't say what is it going to be better than that modest mouse crap garbage that you think is so great so I will say this your music sucks but I will listen to your music over modest mouse thank you very much and don't forget